Today's scripture reading will be read from James 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall, when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Good evening and welcome again. We're glad that you're here tonight. We are looking at James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 2 down through verse 8 and then also at verse 12. Before we begin tonight, I do want to mention the fact that we're glad that we have visitors with us. As always, we want to encourage you to come back to be with us at every opportunity that you have. We have had a number of folks that have placed membership with us and we're grateful for that. It might be that you're looking for a church home and we want to invite you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. We need to join hands together to do all that we can to expand the borders of the kingdom in this community. Tonight as we look at James chapter 1, I want us to think for a moment or two about the testing of our faith. In verses 2 and following, James deals with the many trials and tribulations that we are confronted with here on planet Earth. It would be hard to conceive of living in a world pain-free or problem-free. Many people, as a matter of fact, most people, do not have the luxury of getting through this life unscathed by the problems of life. And so tonight as we look at chapter one, there are a lot of things that we would do well to consider. And above all, when we face the trials or the tribulations of life, the paramount question, how do we react? What do we learn from the various trials and tribulations that we experience here on planet Earth? And are we going to stand true to God come what may? As we look at verses two and following, the first thing that I want to call your attention to, the probability of trials. James in verse two said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various or manifold trials. And the idea is that we are confronted with a diversity of trials here on planet Earth. Now, this point deals with the probability of trials. And James speaks as if it is a well-known fact. Trials will come in this life. We understand that in all probability, we're going to face a diversity of trials in this life. When we define the meaning of the trials that we experience here on planet Earth, in verses two through four, the trials that James has under consideration are those outward trials. And really, there are a wide range of trials that James has under consideration. For example, it might be sickness or disease. It might be some type of financial reversal in life. It might very well be the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. There are so many things that fall under this heading. And so as we think about the diversity of trials and the fact that trials are common to all people, 
I want to call your attention to what I believe to be some distinguished men who experienced trials here on planet Earth. One of the things that I believe is so great about the Word of God is that we are privileged insight into the many characters of the Bible. And there are a wide range of characters. There are men and women, there are young people, there are older people. But when you begin to look at the various people that are spoken of in the Bible, you'll find that many of these people experienced what we would call heartache and trial. And I've just isolated four examples. I want to begin by talking about the Apostle Paul. Paul was, he was quite a man. And if you go back and you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul takes the time to recount the various things that he had experienced during his ministry. He would say, in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prisons, frequently, in deaths, often. He said five times he had received from the Jews 40 stripes minus one. In other words, 195 stripes had been laid upon his back. I think it's noteworthy that he preceded that by saying that he had experienced stripes above measure. He would go on to say three times he had been beaten with rods. Once he had been stoned. He said three times he had been shipwrecked. A night and a, night and a day he had spent in the deep. He said in journeys often. And then he began to recount some of the perils that he faced. He said, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils from my own countrymen, in perils from the Gentiles, in perils in the sea, in perils of false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst. And then he would say, the care of all the churches rested on him. When you begin to go through and just catalog some of the things that he experienced and to study the trials and the tribulations that, that he endured, you'll see that he was a scarred man in many respects. Some would say that you could have spotted the Apostle Paul by looking at his backside. And then I think about the life of Jesus. Jesus, of course, is our great example. And Jesus came and walked the roads of what we call planet Earth. Jesus was not immune to trial or tribulation or heartache and sorrow. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept, that he was a man of compassion. And yet over and over again, what do we read about in the life of Christ? His adversities. Jesus came to this earth to bear the sins of the human family on Golgotha. The Bible tells us that he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that Christ has also once suffered for sins. The heartache and the suffering that Jesus experienced. When we go before, when we go before the Lord in prayer, and we bow our heads in prayer to Almighty God, we need to understand that 
we are bowing our heads in prayer to Jehovah God, whose son walked the weary roads of planet Earth and he knows what we feel. He understands where we are. He can identify with our sorrows. And then, I think about the life of the Apostle Peter. In Acts chapter 12, Luke tells us that Herod the king put James, the brother of John, to death. And then in that same context, he apprehended the Apostle Peter. Not only did he apprehend him, but he put him in prison. Historians indicate that the Apostle Peter was crucified upside down. He lost his life for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think he did so willingly. But go back and read the book of Acts and look at some of the, look at some of the missionary endeavors of the early church and look at the activities of the Apostle Peter and the other, the other men and women who served in the kingdom of God. And note, if you would, the difficulties that they faced in this life. Peter, Paul, Jesus, these are but a few. And then I'm reminded of the great patriarch Job. Job would say in chapter three that that which I feared the most has happened to me. What happened to Job? Many of us have read the story on many occasions. The Bible tells us that Job had 10 children. Job was a righteous man. He feared God and turned away from evil. And yet just because he had a relationship with the Lord and just because he sought to live a righteous life did not, it, it did not make him immune to the heartaches and trials of life. He had 10 children. Did you know that he buried all 10 children? Did you know that he lost his wealth? He lost his health? His own wife said, curse God and die. And yet, Job maintained his faith and fidelity in God. Job would say in chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, there's a second thing I want you to think about as we look at James chapter one, and that is the product of trials. Are there byproducts to the trials of life? How do we deal with the many trials that we face here on planet Earth? As we think about dealing with the trials of life, what I want to suggest is there are two, there are two possibilities. Now, one is positive, the other is negative. One, from my vantage point, aids us, the other destroys. So, having said that, listen to what James said. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, why is that? Here's his reasoning. Knowing that the testing or trying of your faith produces patience. In other words, perseverance or endurance. And then he goes on to say in verse four, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect mature and complete, lacking nothing. So when we experience the various trials of life and they are diverse, when we, when we come face to face with the many trials of this life, how do we react? 
Do we allow the things of this life to crush our faith? Or do we allow them to aid us in our faith? First of all, let me suggest the trials of life can strengthen our faith. I think that's what James is saying here. He said, listen again, knowing that the testing or trying of your faith produces patience or perseverance. In other words, there are some positive benefits to me experiencing the many trials of this life. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago the Apostle Paul, and Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about his experiences for the cause of Christ. In chapter 12, he brings to the fore the abundance of the revelations that he had received from the Lord. And he said, lest I be exalted above measure, there has been given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Well, what about that thorn in the flesh? How did Paul view that thorn in the flesh? Let me tell you how he viewed it. He prayed to the Lord three times that it might depart from him. The Lord responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. So, what, what were the lessons that Paul was supposed to glean from this thorn in the flesh? I think the lessons, or lesson primarily, that the apostle Paul was to take from this thorn in the flesh was that above all, his dependence needed to be in the Lord. In other words, come what may, Paul needed to put his faith and trust in the Lord. That's why he could say, most gladly will I suffer infirmities and needs and distresses and persecutions for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he said, then I am strong. And so, first of all, the trials of life can strengthen us. They can, they can prompt us to greater dependence and trust in the Lord. Go back and read, if you would, the book of Psalms. One of the great things about the Psalms, you have, in a very candid way, the feelings of the psalmist being expressed. One of the psalmists, of course, was David. And David literally pours out his heart. I think about somebody who's sitting down and just chronic, chronicling his life. And he's just pouring out his heart. Now, granted, David was writing by inspiration. But David is talking about his adversities and his trials and his enemies and all of the things, the complexities of life. And so in Psalm 52, David could say, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. David could talk about how the Lord was his rock, his strength, his deliverer, his fortress. David learned from the trials of life. And we ought to learn from them as well. Now the second possibility is the trials of life can sour us. On the one hand, they can, they can be viewed as a faith builder. On the other hand, they could be viewed as a faith breaker. Some folks, for whatever reason, when they face heartache and trial and suffering in this life, they wilt. They give up. 
They turn away from the Lord. You remember in John chapter six when Jesus talked about how he was the bread of life? The Bible tells us that many of those present on that occasion said this is a hard saying, who can accept it? John tells us that many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Here's the point. The trials and adversities of life have on many occasions crushed the faith of some people. Maybe they lost a loved one. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they had some type of financial setback. Maybe they had a friend or a family member turn on them. Maybe they had somebody in the body of Christ to, to hurt them. Whatever happened was a crushing blow to their faith. And so rather than using that adversity or those adversities to their advantage, they allowed them to destroy their faith. And that happens. Sometimes it's all in the way we see things. It's all in the way we, we, we react to things. And James is saying that if we, if we will look at, at the trials of life in a positive way, that we can find true meaning in them. Now I want to share with you a third point and that is the prayer in trials. Look if you would beginning in verse 5. As we look at verse 5, there are some things that I think we would that we would do well to consider. Let, let me just let me just pause here and ask this question. When you and I face adversity, trial, tribulation, whatever it may be in life, what is our desire? What is it we really want? Somebody might say, well, we want relief. We want aid. We want help. Well, here's what I think we really need. Granted, we need relief. We need help. We need aid. But look at what James says in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Honestly, in the past, I've never connected verses five through eight to verses two through four. But when you begin to examine these verses and you look at this context, you see that there's a link there. Now I want you to think about it from this vantage point. Here we are in a storm, and I'm talking about a storm of life. And sometimes when the storms of life are swirling, it's hard to see clearly. Sometimes our, our perception is distorted. And so when things are really, really bad, what is it we need most? We need clarity, don't we? How do we get clarity? Here's what I think. I believe that when we face the trials of life, we need to ask God for wisdom. Now, knowledge is the assimilation of information, facts, data, etc. Wisdom is knowing how to use the information that we possess. 
So as a child of God, do we understand that trials are a part of life? Absolutely. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We understand that there are many forms of trials and tribulations. We understand that we are not exempt from trials and tribulations just because we're children of God. So we face the difficulties of life. When we face the storms of life, how do we react? James said, here's what you need to do. You need to pray to Almighty God for wisdom. Why? So that we can use the trials that we are experiencing for our benefit. In other words, we would do well to ask the question, what is it, Lord, that you want me to learn from this? Is there something that I can take from what I'm experiencing and channel it in a positive way? Is there some way that I can take what I'm experiencing and I can learn from it and benefit from it and grow spiritually? And I think the answer is yes. Let me just share with you an article. It's an old article. But it is an article that I've appreciated through the years. I probably first read it maybe almost 20 years ago. And the article was by the late Franklin Kemp. And it was entitled, 1951. When I read this article, and as I prepared this lesson, it hit me. This is a tremendous example of what James is saying, I believe. Here's what Brother Camp said. And this was in a book that he had written, Old Truths in New Robes, on pages four and five. He said, the, the year 1951 is almost gone. That's been, what, 51 years ago. The recording angel is just about ready to close out the books of this year. How solemn is the thought of the thing of the things that are recorded there. How sweet the thought to know that ere the book is closed, I may, if I but will, have every blot removed. Now here's what he goes on to say. Time and experience are great teachers. Have we sat at their feet through the year and learned any profitable lessons? I try every year to learn some new lesson. This year has been, to me, the most eventful of my life. I think I have learned some of life's most valuable lessons. With the prayer that they may do you good, I pass them on to you. 51 years later, I believe we can profit from what he says. And I think it really underscores what James says. Perhaps the most important lesson I've learned this year is the uncertainty of life. How could I fail to learn it? How shall I ever forget it? Now, if you read the article in its entirety, Brother Kemp lost his six-year-old daughter to a house fire. And so, with that in mind, here's what he says. If one so young and full of life as Vivian was could so suddenly go, how can I be certain of what a day may bring forth? I know how brittle is the threat of life, I know that no one knows whether tomorrow shall find him among his friends on earth or in the presence of his God. Now that I know this lesson, I shall try to live every day as if it were the last it may be. God being my helper, I shall be ready if it is. And then here are the lessons he's gleaned. I've learned to love the Bible more. Why should I not? I have searched its sacred pages to find the light I needed when the hours were so dark. I've turned to it again and again to hear it say, O grave, where is thy victory? 
When my face was wet with tears, I read with joy, he shall wipe away all tears. When care would flood my soul, I found comfort in the words, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Blessed book, for me there is no other. I've learned to love the church more. It is the only place I can find refuge for my soul. It has stood behind me through the years I have tried to point the loss to the Lamb of God. It shared with me my sorrow. I'm so humbled to think that such as I should have the privilege of being a member of such a noble institution. May I never bring shame or reproach upon it. Let me so live as to cause others to see its beauty and glory. I have learned that faith is more precious than gold. It is the eye of the soul. By faith, I can look beyond the veil. By faith, I can see every grave made empty. By faith, I can see the city of God filled with the redeemed and among them an angel that was once a blonde hair, blonde haired, blue eyed girl. When I see this, gold becomes cankered. I only want enough to pay my fare through this world, but faith, give me more. O oh Lord, help thou my unbelief. I have learned to think less of earth and more of heaven. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is the world with all its pomp and power? Just a bubble that will burst and be gone. But heaven, decay cannot affect it. It is incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away. Why should I not think more of heaven than earth? It is my home. I'm just a wayfarer and a pilgrim in this world traveling toward home. Vivian was our second child. She was severely burned and lived only five days following her accident. She was the only girl. She was looking forward to entering school on Monday. She was burned on Sunday and died Thursday morning at 4.30. I'm gonna tell you what. That year was etched forever in the memory of Brother Camp. Did he learn some powerful lessons? Yes, he did. Lessons that I pray to God you and I do not, have to, do not have to experience, but we might. We live in a world where people die every day, young and old, some by accident, some by taking their own life, some because of age, infirmity, disease, whatever the case may be. Whatever our lot in life, whatever, whatever we are facing in this life, however, however bad those things may be, the silver lining is, Lord, what can I learn from these things? Can I learn from them? And can I grow closer to you? In my mind, Brother Camp was able to, to really underscore what life's all about. Listen, one day this life, with all of its troubles, is going to be over. The only thing that's really going to matter is our faith. And so that's why, that's why I believe we need to learn. There's a fourth thing I would share with you, and that is the perseverance needed in trials. I said that the trials of life can do one of two things. They can either build your faith or break your faith. 
They can strengthen your faith or they can sour you in your faith. And there are people that have been soured. There are people that have succumbed to the trials of life. Others have been strengthened. What is it we need in trial? Determination. We have to have, we have to have the mindset that we are in this thing until the very end. There can never be the words give up in our vocabulary. We've got to be the kind of people that are strong and faithful, that are willing to, to do whatever to maintain our faith. Listen to what James said, if you would, in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved or tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who, loved, who love him. The Lord Jesus has promised us the Stephanos, the victor's crown. What is it that he expects from us? Faithfulness, come what may. Good times, bad times, joys, frustrations, highs and lows, successes and failures, whatever it is, the Lord wants us to be faithful. So, when we face the trials of life, when we are faced, when we are faced with those darkened times in life, there are some things that I think we need to remember. Three things very quickly. Number one, I think we need to remember the abiding presence of God. God is always with his people. The Hebrew writer said in chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? God has promised to stand by us come what may. When I get up in the morning, it may be, my life may be upside down, but I know one thing, God is with me. I know one thing, that the Lord will stand by me. That's what Paul believed. Paul viewed life from that vantage point. And the Hebrew writer is saying, listen, God is an abiding presence in our lives. Come what may. Number two, we have the advantage of prayer. You just think about that. We talk about all the spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. We have the benefits and the blessings of going before the throne of God. James talks about if, if any of us lacks wisdom, what are we to do? Pray. James was saying in chapter four, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All James is saying is there is power in prayer. We need to use that power. Peter would say the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Paul said pray without ceasing. To the saints in Colossae, he would say continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Prayer is a great blessing. In Hebrews chapter four, the writer said, therefore let us draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you read James chapter one, you're reading about people who were in need. And what could they do? They could go before the throne of God. When I stand before the throne of God in prayer, I know that my God hears my prayers. And I know that my God is working 
on my behalf. Through the providential goodness of Almighty God, I am blessed beyond measure and how grateful we should be for that as his children. And then thirdly, well, let me just, let me just cite one other scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter said, casting all your care on him. He didn't say cast some of your cares on him. He said cast all of your cares on him. And do you know why we are encouraged to cast our cares on him? Because the Bible says he cares for us. You will never meet anyone on planet earth that cares for you like Jehovah God does. God cares for you. He wants the best for you. He is standing beside you. And ultimately he wants to be with you in heaven. But then thirdly, we have the aid of his people. Let me tell you one of the great blessings of being a, a member of the body of Christ. We are in this thing together. This, this body that we call the church is the greatest institution known to man. What is it that makes it great? Well, its founder makes it, it great. And the fact that all spiritual blessings reside in Christ and in his church make it great. But one of the things that ought to thrill our souls is to know that we are people of like precious faith and we are there for one another. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are people within the church whose lives have been shattered by heartache, by disease, by illness, by death. But you know one of the things that, that stands out in my mind? I have seen God's people stand by those folks. I have seen God's people stand by, by those who are in need and encourage and pray for them. So, those are some blessings and benefits that we enjoy. Now, in verse 12, James said, blessed is the man who endures temptation. When it's all said and done, guess what? It's on you to be faithful. It's on me to be faithful. I am accountable before Jehovah God. I've got to give an account of my life to him. My mother, my father, my brother, my sister, whomever. They cannot live my life for me. They, they are not able to live my Christian life. I have to live that. I have to resolve within my own heart, I'm gonna be faithful come what may. Listen, to, listen again to what Job said. Now you just think about the whirlwind that Job found himself in. I mean, here's a man whose life has literally been turned upside down. He is devastated. And in chapter three, his life has become so dark and dreary, he said, I wish I'd never even been born. But Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If you do not have your faith, you do not have anything. Why is that? Because we could be rich today and poor tomorrow. We could be healthy today and sick tomorrow. 
There are a lot of things that we have in this life and those things could be stripped from us in a moment of time. But faith, that's what will get us through tough times. I think that's why the Hebrew writer said faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen as yet. Faith is what gives substance and reality to things not seen. I have not been to heaven. I have not seen heaven, visibly speaking. But now if you want to talk about the Bible, well, I've seen heaven. I know what heaven's about. I know what this life is all about. And I understand that in this life, perfection does not exist. But I do know that there is a place that Peter describes as incorruptible, undefiled, it fades not away. And Peter said it's reserved in heaven for you. So what we've got to do is mount up and be faithful, whatever the case may be. It may be that you're here tonight. Maybe you're not a child of God. As somebody said on one occasion, life is tough. It's really tough. I can't imagine living life without the Lord. It's tough enough as a Christian but it has to be far tougher outside of Christ. So if you're here tonight and you're not a member of the body of Christ, we want to encourage you to come to Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm here, you'll die in your sins. If we would be willing to put our faith and trust in him, repent of our sins, confess his name before others, and then be immersed in the watery grave of baptism, the promise is every sin will be washed away, Acts 22, 16. The Lord will add us to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. We'll be numbered among the redeemed, the saved, Ephesians 5, verse 23. If we're here tonight and we're not faithful, maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you have allowed the things of this life, the difficulties and trials and tribulations and heartaches and sorrows, maybe you've allowed those things to come between you and God. Maybe those things have destroyed your faith. Why not come home? Why not turn back to a loving God who will stand by you, who wants to be there for you? David in the psalm said on, this, on one occasion, this I know, God is for me. If you're here tonight and you're subject to the master's invitation, we urge you to come as we stand and sing.